in Joshua chapter number 14. Joshua chapter number 14. And then we'll also be in Numbers chapter 13 and 14 a little bit. So if, you, if you're one that likes to, to flip and, and be there, I encourage you to mark both. You know, there's a lot of talk today, especially this past week or so, about revival. A lot of Facebook posts about God's moving and desire to work and a lot of questions uh, of people, well, is it real? Does it have the markers of real revival? Does it, is, it, is it true? And I say, I don't know. If you know what I'm talking about, where Lord uh, moved in a, in a meeting as far as I know because I don't know much of it and I'm not going to question whether God desires to move in the heart of people. I know he does. Just because it doesn't look like me and talk like me and sound like me doesn't mean that it's not God moving and working. But I'll say this. Time will tell whether that was true revival or not. Time will also say this, and I'll say this. I pray and hope it is. I pray and hope it flows over into our church, into our community. I'd love to see revival. I mean, true God sent fire from heaven that burns up all the waste and burns up all the the extra stuff and the uselessness and all the 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 temporal things of this world to where there's a group of Christians who just decide that there's one thing that matters it's me and my god truth is that's got to start in my life if i want to see revival i can't expect it to start in your heart i've got to i got to make sure that my heart is where it needs to be with god and and right before him God promises so many things in His Word. So many things. The Bible even tells us that all the promises of God are yea and amen. Meaning all the promises of God are yes and let it be so. We go through the scriptures and we read these promises and we think to ourselves, well, maybe that could happen. Well, maybe God would do it. Some of us sit here and we've lied to ourselves and thinking, well, God would never do that for me. I'm too far gone. You don't understand, Brother John. You don't know where I'm at. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. But can I remind you that God took each and every one of us out of the same miry place called hell. That's where we were destined. It was as good as done. He picked me up and he set my feet on a solid rock. Forgave me of all my sin. My sin is not any worse than your sin. And your sin is not any worse than my sin in the eyes of God. We are the ones that make our sins worse to be than what they are. Because it's easier for me to compare my sin to your sin. And justify myself than it is for me to compare my sin with the righteousness of a holy God. And understand that I am condemned already. You're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. Can I tell you this? God is waiting with open arms saying, I love you. It does not matter what you've done because my blood can forgive and cleanse all that you've done. So you don't understand. I'm too far gone. And our God says, no, I've gone too far for you to be too far gone. The children of Israel came to a place... They came to a place, and Moses counted out some men, 
one of every tribe. And he said, I want you to go over to the place that I've promised you. And I just want you to report about it. Tell us about the fruit. Tell us about the people. Tell us about the the walled cities. Never once did Moses ever tell the men, give us your military expertise as to whether you think we can take the land or not. Not once. If you go and read in Numbers chapter 13, and we will, he never once said, we need to know whether you think whether we can do it or not. That's not what he said. Moses says to the children that he sends in, those spies, those men, by the way, not children, these are grown men. Caleb tells us, and we'll find this here in just a moment, he was 40 years old when he went in. He said, just tell me what you find. Just bring a report. We find in chapter number 13 of Numbers that they come back, paraphrasing, of course, for time's sake, and they tell us, yep, there's, there's grapes, there's milk, There's honey. In fact, they use the word surely. In other words, what they're saying is they're saying, it's exactly as God said it would be. Imagine that. It's exactly what God said it would be. Nevertheless, there be giants in the land. And we as Christians, we do the same thing. Can I tell you that the, the Canaan world was not a picture of heaven. The land, the Canaan land was never a picture of heaven. It was a picture of the Christian life and how wonderful and victorious it could be and all the fruits and all the blessings and all the wonderful things that God has prepared for us as Christians who know God that await for us. And yes, there will be trials and there will be struggles and we will have to fight for it. But here's the great thing. He said, I go with thee. I'll fight the battle. And the the children of Israel, they said, surely the land is as it is. But what they missed was they forgot to say, but surely God is with us. And he's the God that will fight for us. And he's the God that will enable us. And he's the God that will fight the fight and clear out the Amalekites and clear out the Hittites and clear out the Jebusites. and The giants, I don't care about the giants because I have a God that's far greater than them. That's where they missed. Because their faith. Sadly, was not where it should be. I'm not standing here condemning the children of Israel this morning. I'm standing here this morning preaching to myself saying, my faith is rarely ever where it should be when it comes to my God. And then we get this wonderful insight in Joshua chapter number 14 about the two men who said in that time, We can do it. Let's go up. Let's take it. And we don't get an insight necessarily from someone else's point of view. We get to see, if you would, Caleb come to the stand and give his own testimony about his account of things. And this is what he says, beginning in verse number 6 of Joshua number 14. He says, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, The Kenzanite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, 
My brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly follow the Lord my God. This morning we get an interesting insight to what Caleb's viewpoint was to the people of Israel and what happened to them. Why did they wander for 40 years in the wilderness? What caused them to not be able to go in and claim the land then and there? Why have they waited 40 years to go in and then now another five years before Caleb is getting the thing that he was promised and inherited? He says the reason why is simply this. Because of the heart of the people had melted. It's an interesting word. A melted heart. And here's the truth. When we think about it, all those men that came in, those, those ten men that came in and said, we can't do it. Their hearts had already melted when they went in. But they caused so many people to have melted hearts. And because of the melted hearts, they missed their mountains. You say, what do you mean, miss their mountains? Well, what do we find about Caleb? Caleb goes on to say, in verse number 9, And Moses swore unto that day, Surely the land whereon they thy feet have trodden shall thine be inheritance and thy children forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, and yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, and my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Look at verse number 12. Now therefore... Give me this mountain. Just for a few moments, if you're one who takes notes and you like to put a title on the message, you could title this message, Melted Hearts, Missed Mountains. Truth is, there's a generation of Israelites that we see who had their hearts melted before God and they missed out on the, the mountains that God had for them. Those mountains weren't about a land. They wasn't about a physical thing. Those mountains represent all the promises of God that they missed out on. Because they allowed their hearts to be melted. I pray this morning that for just a few moments as we look at this passage... That our people of our church, and if you're visiting with us, our visitors, that you'd be encouraged. That if your heart's been melted by Satan or by events or by other Christians or by things said to you, that you understand that that can be changed. And the mountains that you may have missed on or that you're missing out on right now could still be yours. And Caleb gives us just a glimpse of what it takes to not miss out on the mountains of God. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Ask the Lord to meet with us. And God, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you, we pray and ask that you would meet with us. Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross. Lord, I pray that this morning, it wouldn't be, wow, what a speaker. But God, I pray that as we leave this morning, it will be, oh, what a Savior. Lord, help us. 
God, help us to see what you have for us here in this passage. God, increase our faith. Help us. We ask that you would help our Holy Spirit that dwells in us to commune the thoughts and truths of your word to each and every one of us. God, remove distractions. Help me not to be a distraction in my preaching. Lord, may you move in a way that we will remember for some time to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We come to Joshua chapter number 14 and this mighty man, Caleb. We had an opportunity about a, it's almost a month now, at the beginning of February, the teenagers to go to a, a meeting, a teen meeting up in uh, Evansville, Indiana. And uh, Brother Dean Miller preached on the Friday night about a man named Caleb. Man, Caleb's an interesting character in the Bible as far as uh, there's never really anything said about Caleb in a negative way. We don't ever really find that he was a doubter. We don't find that he was a discourager. We don't find that he was weak. We just find him to be someone who God has a great testimony towards and says some wonderful things about. I don't know about you, but from time to time I'll read my, the scriptures and I'll say, man, I wish I was more like Caleb, more like David, more like Paul. I just, I desire to be more like them. Satan comes along to us and says, yeah, but that was them, not you. Isn't it interesting how sometimes when we read the Bible and God is trying to encourage us and help us, that's the very moment Satan comes in and tries to discourage us the most. I was reading this passage again and Brother Miller was, was preaching on this passage. I was like, man, it's so good. Caleb's great. And I went back to this passage and was reading about it. And I thought to myself, man, I want to be like Caleb. Here's a man at the age of 40 that was just being obedient to God. Goes over the mountains, goes into the Canaan land and espies out the land. Sees all the wonderful and many, many blessings. Sees all the great things God has provided for them. No doubt he started to get a little excited, right? Man, we get to have this. Maybe he wasn't a fruit eater, but he said, man, the grapes are so big, I'm going to feast. By the way, can I remind you, he's been in the wilderness, he's been eating manna. Okay, no doubt when he saw those grapes, they were like, um, hey, before we take this big uh, cluster back, can we get a bite or two while we're in there? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like uh, the, the kid who's trying to sneak into the, uh, to the kitchen when mama's just made some, some homemade bread or some, some fresh cookies and like, well, I hope nobody's around. I'll grab one before it's time. Mom catches him, slaps the hand and says, that's for dinner. Caleb's over there and just, I can imagine. I mean, think about it. Be honest. You would do the same thing. You've been eating manna now and you're, you're, you're wanting some food with some flavor, something with some, some, some blessedness. Hey, by the way, the Bible tells us that it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. They, they were tasting the honey and the sweetness thereof. They were enjoying all the things while they were spying out the lands. And in his heart and his mind, he's looking and saying, Let's go up and take this. This is great. This is wonderful. This is amazing. Everything that God has for us is right here. And it's better than we could have ever imagined. It's amazing. It's exactly as God said. And even better, let's go up. Let's take it. And I don't know. Maybe the men were standing around and talking. And maybe they were like, man, it's as good as God. As God gave us. But they come back. And the other ten men 
stand up before God and stand up before Moses and stand up before all the children of Israel and they say, yeah, it is. Would you take your Bibles and and turn over to Numbers chapter 14? Keep your place here in Joshua. Numbers chapter 13. Let's see exactly what these men say. I think it's important because it gives to us an understanding of their viewpoint. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 24, the place was called the brook of Eshcol because of the cluster of the grapes from the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from sanching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27 says, And they told him and said, We came unto the land, whether thou send us. And surely, there's that word, Surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. It's exactly as God said it would be. Nevertheless, such a sad word in the Bible. Right here. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Habitites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And here comes Caleb. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once. Caleb didn't say, Hey, let's go, let's talk about this thing. Let's dwell on it. Let's call a church business meeting. No, no, he said, Let's go up at once. Forget, why are we even talking about this? Get your swords, get your, get your spears, get your little ones, get everything you got. Let's get over on the other side because it's already waiting for us. For we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we. What's the difference between Caleb and those men? I believe the thing we find as we look at this passage and we go to Joshua, back to Joshua chapter number 14, is we find that those men took their eyes off of God. Caleb the whole time had one mindset. We can do it. Because our God is the one that's going to do it. So many times, you and I as Christians, we look at this victorious Christian life that we hear preachers talk about from years gone by, and we say, oh, I want that. I I, want to have a life that trusts God for everything, that has power, that breaks through, that when I fall on my knees and I ask God of something, I know He's there to answer prayer requests. I want to have that relationship with God that I can open my Bible and I can open it and I can read the Word and God's going to speak to me. That's what I want. I want that that old-time religion, that, that victorious Christian life that we heard from years gone by, but I'm not sure that I'll be able to have it. The truth is, is that if that's you this morning, 
The whole reason why you're saying that is because sadly your heart's been melted. Caleb said, the thing that kept those men from going in, the reason I had to wait 40 years for this very mountain is because the heart of the people were melted. This morning I want you to see the first thing, it's melted hearts. Pretty simple, right? Basic, it's melted hearts. If we were to take an examination of our lives, I believe we would go over and over and over again, especially those of us that have known Christ for some period of time, maybe those of us that have grown up in church. We've allowed our hearts to become melted by Satan and doubt and fear and worry Caleb says, they had the same God I had. They saw the same thing I had. But what was the difference was that their hearts were melted before the people. Parents, can I say this to you? Be careful what you say to your children about God and the things of God. You might just melt their hearts. Sunday school teachers, you have a responsibility before God. But be careful. You might just melt the hearts of the generation to come. Church leaders, deacons and soul winners and Sunday school teachers and ministry leaders. How are you talking about the God and the trials and the difficulties to come? Because if you're not talking about it saying let's go up at once, let's take it right now. Then guess what? You might just be melting the heart of someone around you. We hear that, and I immediately in myself go, I would never want to be guilty of that. And then I'm sitting over here while we're singing, and I'm looking at my son and daughter sitting over here before they go into the children's choir, and I go, oh God, how many times have I melted their hearts? And the way that I talk about the things of God and the house of God and what God is doing I don't want to be that kind of leader. I don't think you would want to follow that kind of leader, would you? You really wouldn't. Could you imagine two years ago now almost, if our pastor would have stood up, for those of you that were here, and said, well, we could get that building, but you know what? I don't know if we're really strong enough or capable enough or have enough money or have enough ability to be able to to renovate a building like that. So we're just going to let it go. Praise God for a pastor who said, we're just going to trust God. And as he leads, we're going to step through. So thankful that God allowed our pastor to just trust him by faith. And yet we as parents do the very thing that those men came back from Israel for. We look at our kids. Mama, mama, guess what? God answered my prayer. Oh, that's great. We, 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 we downplay the prayers of God in our children's lives. We downplay their trust and faith in God in our children's lives for the simplest, smallest little things. 
Instead, what we should be doing is, that's right, that's your God, the God who hears prayer, the God who hears prayer and answers prayer, the God who moves and intercedes, the God who cares about us and delights in us. And we should be the ones who are down on our knees begging God to move and letting our children see, hey, my mama and my daddy believe that there's a God in heaven that can. Instead, what do we do? We try to do it in our own strength and when it doesn't work we gripe and complain because God didn't move in. Sorry, God didn't move in because you never invited him and I never invited him to move in. I'm not trying to preach hatefully or rude to you. I'm preaching at myself here. I'm guilty of this. I do this so often. I am a problem solver. It's my nature. It's who I am. I like to try to figure figure problems out and, and, and try to figure it out. It's annoying to most people. I know. I'm sorry. And yet what I do is that doesn't equate with the fact that I should just say, God, let it happen. You know, it's one thing for us to say, okay, God, I need you to to intervene. And the next day, God intervened. Caleb waited 45 years In a few moments, we're going to see a testimony about him that amazes me that I cannot even fathom the difference in that. But I'm telling you right now, we have too many Christians in this world who, number one, have allowed their hearts to be melted, or number two, are the cause of some melted hearts. Maybe you're here this morning and your heart's been melted. Say, I don't know if I can trust God to fix this situation. I don't know if he's going to intervene. I don't know if he's going to. Just as he surely said there was fruit in the land, he surely said he would come through and deliver them. Would you go back just real quick to Numbers chapter number 13? It amazes me how often we fail to listen to God And instead of obey, it leads us to a lack of faith. Like like in other words, we're disobedient, and so then we blame it that God didn't come through sometimes. It makes us, it makes our disobedience question whether our God is able. Well, if we would have just obeyed, our faith would have been strengthened. Here here it says in, in, in Numbers, chapter number 14, verse number 11, God speaking to Moses. He says, fine, they don't want to believe me. They don't want to follow me. They don't want to do what, what, what I've told them. They don't want to trust. And look at what he says. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? Now, dads, hold up a second. Don't look at your wife I'm not, and be like, how long is this child going to provoke me? That's not, that's not where this one's going, okay? Verse number 11 again. He says, how long will this people provoke me? Look at this next question. And how long will it be ere they believe me? In other words, what he's saying here is he's saying, when are they finally going to just believe that when I say I'm going to do it for them, I'm going to do it for them? He goes on to say, even in the rest of the verse, for all the signs which I have showed among them. In other words, that God says this. He says, I haven't left them wondering if I'm even here. I've given them signs. I brought them out of Egypt. And I had a, a pillar of, of cloud by day and fire by night. And I've given them manna day after day. And when they needed water, I told you to smite the rock and there was water. 
I've showed them over and over and over and over and over and over again that I love them and that I care for them and I want to provide for them. All they have to do is believe. And what? How long will they err to believe me? Our God sits on the throne and He says, I just want my children to take me at my word. To just believe that what I've said is true. Because it is. I love them and I've given them everything they could need. I've redeemed them. I've reconciled them before me. I've brought them back into good fellowship with me. I want to give them the provisions that they need. And everything they have, all they have to do is trust. The problem is, is that sometimes the trusting means waiting, and we don't want to wait. God said, I've given them everything. Why? Why? What happened? The the melted hearts. I'm telling you right now, there's some Christians in here. You have melted hearts. And if you're not careful, you're going to be like those ten Israelites who never enter into the promised land, and you're going to come to the second thing. You're going to miss some mountains. God had promised them the land. He had promised them some mountains. Those mountains weren't about, again, about an inheritance. Those mountains represented everything God had promised them. And Caleb said, you know what? I want my mountains. Would that we had some Christians again, Brother Zach, that would come to the Word of God and said, you know what? I'll claim every promises of God. I'll go and take it because He said it and I believe it. That settles it. He wants it for me. I want it for myself. I'm going to claim it. I want the promises of God. What do I have to do? Sign me up. Show me the dotted line. I want them. And God says, you want them? Here. Take them. They're yours. You don't have to beg for them. You don't have to plead for them. Just come and have a relationship with me. And I'll show you that I am that I am. That I'm the provider. That I'm the sustainer. That I'm the life giver. That I'm the one that breaks hearts that are broken. That I mend relationship. That I am the one who raise up the dead. I give the, the, the blind sight. I make the lame to walk. I am that I am. I'm the comforter. I'm the peace giver. I'm the provider. I'm the strength when there's no strength to be had. Our God is so good. And we stand here going, well, everything's there, but I don't know if I can take it. He never said we had to take it. He said, I've taken it for you. Come get it. And some of us are missing out on promises and mountains from God. Because we've let our hearts be melted. Some of us are causing in the next generation. I don't even really like to say it. You ask them all the time. I don't like to call this the church of tomorrow. This is the church of today. God said to Titus, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer. And we're causing, here, stand up for me a second. He didn't know I was going to do this. We're causing this generation to have their hearts melted because they're watching you and me. They're watching to see if we're going to trust God by faith for the things that God has promised us. You can have a seat. They're watching to see, they're watching to see if God's will is worth serving. 
I don't know if if, if I can do God's will. I don't know if He's going to protect me. You want to know why? Because He's looking at a generation of Christians that have been squandering the promises of God as to whether God's will is perfect, whether God's will is pure, whether God's will will be enough, whether God will provide. They've watched for too long at Christians say, well, this is the will of God, I guess. We're melting their hearts. And they're going to miss some mountains. They're going to miss some mountains. They're going to miss out. I don't want that to be because of me. A heart full of unbelief is always quick to believe the lies. A heart full of unbelief is always quick to believe a lie. It's time we start living lives full of belief. It's time that we give it. It's time that we stop saying, well, I guess this is all that Christianity ever will be and start really living life to what God desires it to be. It's amazing to me that it's so simple in this passage. It's so simple. Caleb says, give me that mountain. I want the promises of God. I desire the promises of God. And a whole generation of people missed out on the promises of God. Because instead of relaying truth, they gave what they thought would happen. What lie has Satan told you and you're starting to go, I don't, I don't know if I can really believe what God said. It's interesting. There's melted hearts in this passage. And we see missed mountains. But there's a third thing. I am coming to the third point and all God's people said, praise the Lord, I'm hungry. Here's the third thing. What made the difference between Caleb and Joshua and ten spies and the rest of Israel? It's right here in the passage. It's marked faith. Read this passage and look at how many times the testimony of Caleb's life was he wholly followed God. It's not once. It's not twice. It's multiple times. And it's not just in this passage. Could I show it with you? Would you, would you mind? First, he has his own testimony. Joshua chapter number 14. Joshua chapter number 14. And, and look at verse number 8 with me, if you will, please. Joshua chapter number 14 and verse number 8. By the way, a little freebie. This one I love. The, the, the children, uh, the, the, the spies that went up, they said, oh, everything's there. Nevertheless, they'd be too strong. Here's what Caleb says. He says, I brought word in my heart. And he uses their own word again. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up. He said it wasn't because that they weren't strong enough. It's because they didn't have enough faith. And they melted the heart of the people. And look at verse number 8 at the end. He said, but I wholly with everything in entirety from top to bottom without reservation, nothing being held back, nothing being withheld, nothing being kept, nothing being put in a secret. I wholly, my entirety, wholly followed the Lord my God. 
His testimony was, look, the reason I want this mountain, the reason why I still believe I can take it, is not because I'm strong enough, but because God is my strength and I've wholly followed God. Not only was it his testimony, then you have the testimonies of others. Look at Joshua chapter number 14 and look at verse number 9. And Moses swear on that day. So he says, not only do I say I wholly follow God, he says, but this is what Moses said about me. Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever because thou hast wholly followed God. What was the testimony of others in Caleb's life that made the difference? He had marked faith. He wholly followed God. Well, it wasn't just Moses. Look with me down just a few more verses. Look at verse number 14. Joshua speaking here. And verse number 13, he says, Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, unto this day because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. If it wasn't enough that, Je- that Caleb said, this is, my, this is my thing. Look, we're guilty of saying a lot of things and it's not true. But Caleb said, I've wholly followed God. He had, he had eyewitness testimonies there, if you will, come to his, his side and said, he deserves it. Why? Moses said, because he wholly followed God. Joshua stood up and said, he wholly followed God. That, that's some testimony of some really mighty men, you know, to say, wow, he wholly followed God. I pray that when my life is done and I'm dead and in a tomb someday, long before my son ever sees that, if God doesn't come back, that they'll be able to stand and put on my tombstone, he wholly followed God. But you know what the truth is? That's a wonderful testimony to have others say that about us. It's amazing. Would you go with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 1 real quick? Deuteronomy chapter number 1. The Bible tells us something here that I think is even far greater than having someone else tell me, I say about me, man, his testimony is he wholly followed God. Verse number 34, the Bible says this, And the Lord heard the voice of your words, and was wroth, and swear, saying. So, for understanding, who's getting ready to speak? God is, right? The Lord is getting ready to speak. Verse number 35. Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear to give unto your fathers, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it, and to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon to his children. And look at what God says about him. Because he hath wholly followed the Lord. Man, what a testimony when God says, hey, the reason why he gets it is because he's wholly followed me. He testifies once again, God does, in Numbers chapter 14 and verse number 24 when he said this, Because my servant Caleb, because he hath another spirit with him and had followed me fully. 
You ever met that Christian that you look at them and you go, why does it seem like they always get everything from God? They always get their prayers answered. They always seem to get God to move. They always seem like things are going well for them. They seem like they have the greatest relationship and they always seem to have such a wonderful relationship with God. I'll tell you the reason why. It's probably because God's sitting there saying, because they've wholly followed me. And instead of getting envious at the brother or the sister who God's moved and worked with, why don't you just get on board and say, I'm going to wholly follow God too. See, I don't want to be a Christian who has a melted heart. I don't. I don't think anyone in this room wants a melted heart either. And I don't want to be the Christian who misses out on mountains. I don't want to miss out on the promises of God. I've come to find out that if God promises something, it's been pretty good so far. I think eternal life and salvation and forgiveness of sins is pretty grand. I mean, think about it. The promises that God has given us so far hasn't been too shabby. They've been pretty wonderful. I don't want to miss out on any more. So you know what I'm going to determine to do? I'm just going to determine to follow God wholly. I'm going to determine to get on my knees when things get tough and say, God, you've got to move in, you've got to work, and I'm just going to wait on you. Forty-five years this man sat there in the wilderness, walking around, seeing the despair. And he said, I could have had, the, I could have had those grapes. You ever, you, you, you ever miss mama's cooking? Some of you that are not able to get mama's cooking anymore? Those sweets, and you can just, you can just taste it. Feel the crunch of the cookie in your mouth and you smell the aroma in your mind and you think about, oh, if I could just, mm, if I could have some of Mama's home-baked cookies once again. I can imagine Caleb walking around through the wilderness, all the dirt and the dust and the nastiness, eating manago, and I could have had grapes. I could have had pomegranates. Oh, to have that sweet, sweet honey. I can just taste how sweet it was. Don't miss it. Even when times were difficult, when they were full of despair and full of, I don't know how God's going to break through in this thing. I'm going to be stuck in this wilderness forever. I don't know if I'm ever going to get out. I I wish those people would die so I can go into the wilderness. That's probably what he was thinking, you know. If they would just just go, I could get in the wilderness just a little bit sooner. And instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to give up on the things of God. God's never going to meet me. God's never going to provide for me. God's never going to break through. God's never going to answer my prayer request. God, I've been begging you and asking you for 40 years. Let me in the wilderness. Let me in the wilderness. Out of the wilderness. Let me into the Canaan land. Let me into the Canaan land. Lord, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. Instead, Caleb said, He said he was going to give it to me and in his timing he'll give it to me and I'm just going to trust him that his way is perfect and that mountain's going to be so wonderful one day when I get it. The Bible tells us he's 85 years old. You continue to read the chapter and into the next. Remember one of the first groups of people that those men said? The children of Anak are there. They were giants. The children of Anak are there. We can't go in because the children of Anak are there. Forget the, the, the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Malachites and all the other Ittites and termites that were all in the, in the, lane, in the can of Lanan. They, they, there was the children of Anak were there. Go to the passage. I encourage you when you have time. Look at Caleb. He, gave, he got his mountain and guess what it tells us? 
not one, not two, but three sons of Anak, Caleb said, you're done. This is my mountain. Get on out of here. Eighty-five years old. By the way, those of you that are in this building right now and you say, oh, my time's gone. I'm past. God doesn't have anything left for me. I'll let the the younger people do it. I'll let the next generation stand up. I'll let the, the, the young ones get up. We got a young preacher and a young staff and they can get it done and they'll be all right and they're good God, they're in good hands no 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 God didn't leave you here to sit by and idly watch somebody else take that mountain God still has a mountain for you take it possess it and show these other ones what it means to take the mountains of God mamas and daddies don't be done with your children don't melt their hearts Show them what it means to have marked faith. Grab them by the hand and walk with them and say, God has so many blessed things for you ahead. The mountain was an inheritance to Caleb, but what does it say? It was an inheritance for his children. There might be something that you need to claim for your young person. And if you're not careful, you're going to let a mountain go by that God has promised you and your family And because instead you decided to have a melted heart and stay there, you're going to miss out on some mountains. I think this morning, there's quite a few Christians, I would say, including me, that need to come to this altar, get on our knees before God, and beg God for mercy because we've allowed our hearts to not trust in Him. Thank Him for His grace that He still stands by and claim the promises of God. Maybe we need to put an arm around another brother or another sister and say, hey, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to help you claim the mountains that God has for you if you'll help me claim the mountains God has for me. But I tell you what God doesn't want us to do. He does not want us to hear what his word says, walk out those doors and walk out exactly the same way we walked in. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. If you, if you would wait to close your Bible up and put your notebook around so there's not a, a ton of moving. I, I'd like to ask this question. I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't, I don't want to embarrass anybody with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here this morning and Satan has been lying to you, Satan has been melting your heart saying God doesn't want you, he can't save you, he can't redeem you from where you are, listen to me right now and I pray the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. The truth is this, God is able to save you to the uttermost. He's able to forgive any sin that you have done. And I'm asking this question, if there's one here this morning that says, would you pray for me? I don't know Christ as my personal Savior. Or let me say it this way. I'm not 100% sure that I would be in heaven with God, but I am 100% sure I do not want to die and go to hell. Would you just pray for me? Would you raise your hand up? I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to call your name out. I really, I just want to pray for you. I see that hand. Listen to me right now. There is nothing you have done. There is nothing you have committed or or gone so far that God is not capable to save you and change your life and he wants to and if you'll just step out this morning in just a second you don't have to do it right now I'm going to give you an opportunity there is someone here who would love to take the word of God and show you the love of God in your life and show you how you can know 100% sure that you could go to heaven
If you're here this morning and you do know Christ is your Savior, but you know maybe you've had some melted hearts, or maybe in your life you've missed out on some mountains, I want to encourage you in just a moment. You lead the way. You come to this altar and you just spend time with God. Isn't God amazing that He's a God of second chances, and third chances, and fourth chances? And when we've missed so many mountains, He's still there to provide them for us. As we stand to our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed, you come if you need to come. If you're that one that's here and need to know Christ as your personal Savior, we have someone who's willing. Brother Zach will be here with the Bible. He'd be happy to show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure. altar doing business with God, praying and asking God to help them. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't don't feel wrong. There's plenty of seats on the front here if you need to come and you need to do business with God. Don't miss out. If you're doing business there at your seat, I encourage you. Ask God to help you. this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, please don't leave today until someone at least has an opportunity to show you what the Word of God says. If you're here and you know Christ, but maybe you've been away from Him, we have people in our church that would be happy to just pray with you, encourage you, and help you. If you need help, if you need an encouragement, come see us. There's still people at the altar. There's still plenty of time. Thank you for being here this morning. I encourage you to be in a matter of prayer.